0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the "Say As It Is" with Pete podcast series. I'm Pete, your host, and each week I will bring you some frank and honest conversations covering various topics from learning and development, friendships, funding, HR, strengths, recruitment, ESG, well-being, EDI, employability, and much, much more. So let's get this week's episode underway and say as it is hi everybody and welcome to another episode of say as it is with pete and as usual i'm your host pete and well what a sculpture of a week it has been um so it's sunday and always on a sunday i record my podcast series before monday and boy what a sculpture of a weekend it was um and luckily from tomorrow it's still going to be a bit warmer but it's at least it's dying down um but yeah even I'm a summer baby and uh even this heat um well wow. but anyway it's it's been a nice weekend and I hope you all had a nice weekend and you've managed to relax enjoy the sun and just chill for a little bit so um now as always Uh, we are going to have some frank and honest conversations around some topics and as we look at this month of September we're looking at well-being and the topic today I'm going to be looking at um, building a wellness program that works. So fasten your um, seatbelts because we're about to embark on a wellness adventure filled with facts, figures and a whole lot of fun. So Let's kick off things with a bang, shall we? So did you know that in the UK alone, 20 million, yes, 20 million days of work are lost annually due to workplace stress, depression, and anxiety. Get my words out there. Um, Now, I highlighted a bit of this during last week's episode. Um, And if you think about it, that's the entire workforce for London, taking a year-long vacation. So, why should we care about wellness programs? Well, um, as I said in my last episode, for every one pound spent on employee well-being, there's an average return of four pounds twenty. That's right an average return of £4.20 per employee. It's not just about um, fuzzy feelings. It's about cold, hard cash because we want to make a profit at the end of the day and we invest in these programs. But we always look at what's the return on investment. Well, guys, that's the return on investment. If you work on that basis, that should give you a clear guideline. So now let's get into some nitty gritty. And what makes a wellness program truly effective well it's not just yoga classes and fruit baskets or giving out donuts um, it's a comprehensive package now we're talking um physical fitness mental health work-life balance and employee engagement and here's a fun fact companies with highly engaged employees Outperform their competitors by guess what? Can you guess the figure? Some of you are saying 10, 20, 30 percent. No, surprising enough, it's 147 percent. That's right. So all those companies that are engaged in well-being um, and employee satisfaction and making sure the employees are happy, they're feeling um, that they've got their mental health sorted, they're looking after their physical fitness, their work-life balance, having that engagement, as I said, gives them a output of about 147% compared to their competitors or other companies that's a massive massive figure now that's a number that should make every ceo perk up their ears and if you're not wakey wakey smell the coffee because um, i'm about to go and make one anyway gang listen it's not all sunshine and rainbows challenges are part of the game limited budgets resistance to change and the occasional grumbling from the peanut gallery however Did you know that organisations that prioritise employee well-being have a 63% greater chance of being on top, being, sorry, of being a top performing company? I'll read that again. So organisations that prioritise employees well-being have a 63% greater chance of being a top performing company. Okay. It's like investing gold, right? Now, As you can see, I'm talking about numbers and numbers, numbers, numbers. We can't escape them. So honestly, we shouldn't. So if you're not measuring, you're not managing. So it's like trying to bake a cake without that recipe. Let's throw all those ingredients in and let's hope for the best. Um, And guess what? You ain't going to get a cake. Nowhere near a cake. But if you get the right numbers, you can have the most amazing and perfect cakes ever. So... Here's a number for you, 80%. Now, again, that number for you is 80%. And there's a reason why. That's the percentage of employees who believe their well-being program positively impacts their job performance. So the proof is in the pudding, my friends. That's a staggering number, 80%. So, if you can get eighty percent of your employees who believe in their wellbeing program has a positive impact on their job performance in your business, you're onto a winner, right? No, no, s Sherlock, no beep beep beep, beep Sherlock. I think you know what I mean. Um, or we can say no shit, Sherlock. Um, we we get it, right? So, and I don't have a bleeper anyway. So, hey ho, I'll have to mark this episode with a little bit of explicit content. But anyway. Let's not forget the individuals out there. And you individuals, I've got your back too. So these are guys that are working on their own, right? So building your own wellness programme might seem like a solo gig, but it's a journey worth taking. So did you know that just 10 minutes of physical activity can boost your mood for up to two hours? So take a short walk, do a quick workout, and keep those endorphins flowing. So sometimes, like we all work from home during the pandemic, and if you think, you know, working from home was, you know, there's there's mixed views on working from home, and there still is, um, as everybody's being called back to the office, but anyway, working from home during the pandemic was the only way that we could work, and it was very productive, and a lot of employers found that those employees that work from home were more productive, because they were able to start a little bit earlier, they were able to take a little bit longer for lunch, go for walks, and be more productive in their mood, from going for a 20 30 minute walk to go get a coffee come back they were more productive so there are some benefits um but yeah get yourself out do some physical activity do something take a break for 5-10 minutes on your lunch break half hour for lunch half hour walk you feel a lot better now we've reached um a point that i love um and that is the listener questions um, or the listener corner. Um, Now I just want to say I'm loving um, you guys who are dropping me an email at pete at Uh, creativemind.zone and dropping me some questions about well-being and other things and other episodes that I do. So thank you for reaching out to me. So one of our awesome listeners asked me a question. And that question was, Pete, what's your go-to stress buster? Well, um, I'll tell you, laughter. And laughter is my secret weapon in many ways. And it's like a free therapy session that leaves you in stitches. And if you work with me in the office or work with me in the for the company I work for, or you work with me when I'm in training, you'll understand why. I'm always laughing, you have to, you can't let things get to you. Life is too short and I know that myself. But also one of my personal ones or my personal stress busters is, you may seem a little bit weird and you may see from my pictures and stuff on Instagram, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, um, or you have the, the privilege to follow me on those. Um, I actually go on a graveyard walk around Brompton Cemetery, which is just down the road from me. And then I go for a coffee in Starbucks. And this is my stress buster Um, and it works for me and it can work for individuals as well. And you probably think, Pete, a cemetery, what the hell are you doing in a cemetery? Bit morbid, it's not. Bronson Cemetery, a little bit of history on 101 here. Bronson Cemetery is one of the oldest cemeteries in London. It's about 150 plus years old. It was built or or created in the 1840s. Um, You know, it's still a active graveyard um, with catacombs and all sorts but it's a royal park um, or it's classified as a royal park and it's 40 acres they call it the sleeping garden but it's a chance for it's peaceful it's quiet I can walk around there's a nice coffee shop in there um, believe it or not and they set some nice coffee and cakes um, and some good sandwiches but I go for a walk around there if I if I get home in time and it's still open because it closes due to sunset and stuff but if it's still open I'll go for a walk and de stress because that kind of resets me. But always on a Saturday and Sunday, that's my stress buster. No matter how much of a crap week I've had um, and had everything thrown at me, I take myself off in the morning and go for a slow, long walk with or without a cup of coffee to do without. And then once I've done that walk, um, which takes about an hour and a half, I then go to Starbucks just around the corner and I grab a coffee and Get all my ideas and thoughts out, and that's when I sit and write my LinkedIn, you know, posts and stuff. And it just clears my mind and resets me. So yeah, walks and coffee are my stress busters. But also, do not take things personally. Take feedback on and listen to people and let them say what they need to say, and then respond accordingly. Don't get too emotional. Um, and I know emotional control is one of my um, strengths um or my bubbling unders I think it is um but I have to learn how not to put it into overdrive and there are sometimes it does go into overdrive so I have to learn how to control that but one of the things I will say is don't let your emotions get to you it's just a job people will have their views and opinions and let them have them you know make sure you cover your ass in your emails and you follow up on things but also just realize you're only seeing these people eight hours a day You don't have to go to home with them. You don't have to socialize with them. So it doesn't matter. And whatever you don't get finished today is always tomorrow. And you can only do your best. You're only human. Um, So, you know, it's one of those things. I always used to let things get to me and I still sometimes do due to certain things within my working environment. Um, But I need to remember, um, like I do in life, it doesn't matter what life throws at you still another day. And I tend to think the worst case scenario, then work my way backwards. Um, and then I know it's not going to be that bad. But don't get stressed. I, I know that's the thing to say. But think the worst and work your way back. And remember, it's not the end of the world. Smile every day. Yeah? And no matter what life throws at you, whether it's personal or work, there's always the, a solution to the problem. And there's always people out there that will listen and help. Okay? Now, here is the key elements that I'm gonna be looking at now over a, um, let me just see my notes, over a 14-week period. Hmm, 14 weeks, you say, Pete, what are you talking about? Well, now we get to the key elements where I wanna talk about, um, you know, creating a wellness program for you or your company and remembering that creating a wellness program is um, a strategic and beneficial endeavour. So I'm going to talk a little bit about a roadmap um, to guide you through the process. But what I'm also going to do is I'm going to put this in a PDF format and post it out later this week in a nice format for you so you can download it and also refer to it. Um, But I'm going to briefly go over it. So just buckle up. And listen in. So, grab your coffee, have a sip of it, and get ready. So, between weeks one and two, what you want to do is you want to define your objectives and goals. So, identify your why. So, you need to determine why you want to implement a wellness program. So, is it to improve employee health, reduce um, absences, boost morale, or increase productivity? So, you need to be clear on what your objectives are. Then, set specific goals so establish those measurable goals remember they've got to be smart okay so for example you might aim to reduce sick days by 20 percent within the first year or increase participation in wellness activities by 30 percent so you want to get those two sorted first you want to get you know identify why you're doing it and then set your specific goals Now, between weeks three and four, you want to get your leadership buy-in. So engage with your leadership team. So prevent, so prevent, present your wellness program proposal to your top executives or your SLTs and your department heads. Explain the benefits and align it with the company's missions and values. Then secure your budget. So ensure that you have the necessary financial resources to support the program. Highlight its potential. Highlight the ROI um, in terms of increased productivity and reduced healthcare costs. So, like I said, for every one pound you get four pound. Um, what did I say? You got four pounds twenty back. So, just you know, remember that one, um, and and use that as an example for securing a budget now between weeks five and six you want to be doing a needs and needs assessment so do an employee survey so conduct a survey or hold a focus group discussions to understand the specific wellness needs and preferences of your workforce so this will help you tailor the program effectively because what you want to do is make sure that you're you've got the right programs and not waste money because a lot of organizations buy things thinking yep this is going to be amazing but then actually when you look at it after a year or two years or three years when you're renewing the contract and normally it's a three-year renewal you're then realizing that in the three years you've wasted money because no one has used it But then you also want to analyze existing data. So review existing health data, such as healthcare claims or sick level records to identify trends and areas that need improvement. And if you've done a recent employee satisfaction survey and you've asked questions about well being in there, look at those responses as well. Now, when you get to week seven to 10, what you want to do is look at your program design. So you want to define program components. So then based on your needs assessment, you want to outline the key components to your wellness program. So this might include um, physical fitness, mental health, nutrition, stress management, and a work-life balance, and, and lots more. You also want to set up a wellness committee. And I know people don't like this, but wellness committees or forums that are dedicated to looking after wellness And this can also be a committee of uh, staff, team members, responsible for program development, implementation and evaluation. So using existing employees to drive that wellness program through. Okay, so set it up, get them going. Now, weeks 11 to 12, what you want to do, is look at vendor selection so identify potential partners so if needed select wellness vendors or suppliers such as I know fitness trainers nutritionists or mental health professionals to support your program or organizations and I know a few um out there that I will put in this pdf that you can reach out to um that are fantastic and they've got some amazing wellness programs so reach out to them and then also during weeks 11 to 12 review your proposals so evaluate vendors proposals consider factors like costs um, expertise and alignment with your program goals Now, week 13 and 14, this is your program launch. So communicate and build the hype. So create, say, a marketing campaign to generate excitement about the program. Use multiple channels, including emails, posters, company meetings, uh, MailChimp, WhatsApp groups, whatever you've got, get it out there. Maybe get some champions or ambassadors to really push it. Use that wellness committee to push it as well. Okay, have a big Zoom or Teams meeting to promote it, but also look at your rollout, your rollout activities. So, you know, think about you know how you're going to offer this out. What activities are you going to use? You know, ensuring that they align with your um, program's objectives and the preference of your employees. And you would have found that out when you did your employee survey by looking at how they wish to be communicated. Then some extra things you need to think about is your employee engagement. So this is your ongoing element. This is your incentives and challenges. So you've got to encourage that participation for incentives and challenges, consider offering rewards um, for achieving wellness milestones. You can also look at feedback mechanisms. So establish channels for employees, provide feedback and suggest improvements on the wellness programs. Also ongoing as well will be your measurement and evaluation. So data collection and regular assessment. So continuously collect data on the program's participation. you know, what is the absenteeism rates? What's your employee satisfaction? and create a relevant matrix, but then conduct periodic assessments to evaluate the program's effectiveness, and identify areas that require improvements. But also look, is it being used? is it being pushed and 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 you know communicated correctly another ongoing thing that you could be doing is look to adjust and improve it so you know look to use data and feedback to make improvements on the program always be flexible and willing to adapt to change and needs what also wanna do is long-term sustainability, which is an ongoing part of this as well, It's integrate a wellness culture. So make wellness an integral part of your company's culture right from day one, encourage healthy habits and provide ongoing support. For example, in my organization, I do what we call a Wellness Wednesday, and I send out some wellness tips and advice and guidance every Wednesday to all our hotels that I work alongside, Uh, which they then share with their teams. And I see them all the time. When I go to hotels to train, I see all my Wellness Wednesday ideas up on the board and being shared, which is amazing. But also, as we say, communication is key in everything. So keep employees informed about the program success and any changes and new initiatives that you may be thinking of. And then celebrate achievements and do this annually so annual reviews so you've got to conduct an annual review of the program's achievements and challenges celebrate those success and acknowledge the efforts of employees and the wellness committee now those are some 11 key points to building a wellness program and as I say I'll put them on a pdf um this week and I'll post it out on my uh, linkedin and that's your roadmap to um you know, building a wellness program or a wellbeing program, but also there will be some links to two or three people that I know that I'm networked with from the social recruitment advocacy group that do um, wellbeing. Um, And, you know, I think wellness is a key thing. And if you're looking in the right places and you know the right people, then you can get some things sorted. Um, and there is one um, person that I think is amazing out there. Um, and he is a guy called uh, Mike Wichcello. Um, and Mike is amazing. Mike um, is just a guy that I met through social recruitment, and he does one-stop well-being, um, and he's about connecting you and your employees with a better well-being process. And he has got some amazing work, um, and I will be um, getting him getting him in on a podcast because we have spoken about it, and I need to get him in. But um, I will put um, Mike's details um, in the. Uh, uh, PDF but if you do want to reach out to Mike about well-being programs you can contact him at uh, onestopwellbeing.co.uk so do look at that because I know Mike very well and yeah I can't cannot recommend him highly enough but anyway now As I was saying, by following this roadmap, you can create a wellness program that aligns with your company's goals, engages employees, and leads to a healthier and more productive workforce. Now, remember that wellness is an ongoing journey. It's not an overnight thing. And regular, e- regular evaluation and adaptation are key to its long-term success. And remember, you can't be a wellness guru overnight, no matter how much you use Google and research in a very short period of time. It's not gonna happen, it takes time, it's a journey. Now, gang, listen, we're going to be closing the curtains on this episode. And I hope this has been another enlightening episode for you about building a wellness program that works. And it's not just about numbers and facts. It's about creating a better, happier and healthier world. So go out there, be the change. And remember, wellness is a key to unlocking your full potential. So before we part um please don't forget you can hit the subscribe button you can share this podcast with anybody in your team or anybody you think might be interested in this podcast um, leave us a review uh send me your questions for future episodes um your support keeps me going and keeps me creating these episodes so thank you very much and i can't wait for the, to the next episode um in our wellness schedule. That will be about supporting mental health in the workplace next week. But again, as I say, um, subscribe, like, share, follow, comment. You can always listen back to this podcast on rss.com, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from. And remember, although this week is gonna be a hot week or a semi-hot week, please stay hydrated. Please laugh, please love. And remember, don't get stressed. Um, it's not the end of the world yet anyway Um, but just enjoy your life and remember take 5-10 to minutes out when needed take a breather relax go for a walk and remember you're the person that counts in this and your well-being is key have an amazing week and catch you on next week's episode